0: Watch out, doc, doctor, doctor. Give me the news. I gotta loving you.
1: Do you have questions or need advice for all the aches and pains in your life? We're here to help. This is Doc Talk with Hans Olson, presented by University of Utah Health on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Doctor,
2: doctor. Ah, oh, that's right. It's Doc Talk. They have deemed this the most exciting and informative hour in all of radio, second only to the Movie Zone, which follows it. The Movie Zone obviously kicking off at 7 o'clock this evening, but it is Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health, the best care, the best physicians in the business, and I know from personal experience. If this is your first time on Doc Talk, your first time tuning in, or your first time hearing us, This is an opportunity for you to call in and get some great information from some of the board-certified physicians from University of Utah Health. And we have got the granddaddy of them all. Dr. Monson asked me to call him King Mac on air, but I'm going to introduce him as Dr. Travis Mac. Dr. Mac, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, hands. How are you?
2: I'm doing so good. It's great to hear your voice. And, and we've got so many different things that we've got to get to. But I just want to start out and, and ask you, you know, elective surgeries are open. The, the world of, of medicine is kind of evolving over the last week. And I just want to catch up with you, see how you're doing and where things are at.
3: Absolutely. It's been a a whirlwind. Uh, You know, These are bizarre times we live in right now. And fortunately, uh, as physicians, obviously it's been really hard for us not to be able to take care of our patients in the way that we've been used to. And ultimately, it's uh, fortunately for the best as far as keeping the overall health of our state uh, in a positive fashion. But obviously orthopedics, a lot of patients are still getting injured, especially getting out there and social distancing in our beautiful wilderness. Uh, People get injured and they need to get help. So now we're able to take care of them, which has been a
2: good thing. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Everybody's getting out on the trails. I mean, apparently you've got about 350 people at one trailhead trying to get up some Zion's Canyon hike or something, and and people are out and about. They're moving around, so i got to imagine injuries are still somewhat substantial.
3: They are, you know, and it's a different kind. I mean, people are still hiking up in uh, the different ski areas that are allowing them to do so. Obviously, maintaining social distancing is important, but I think people understand that. And, of course, hiking, ATVs, things like that, and even boating, now the lakes are starting to open up. And and so, we obviously, we encourage people to be safe and get out there and enjoy themselves. And, fortunately, in the unfortunate circumstance that someone might get injured, we're able to take care of them now, which is, is a good thing.
2: You're listening to Dr. Travis Mack, um, and he is one of the best. He is the uh, head orthopedic team physician for the Utah Jazz and associate professor in the Department of Orthopedics at the University of Utah. He is uh, a good friend of mine, a great friend of, of this show, and we're excited to have him back on. Again, if this is your first time tuning in, it's your opportunity to call in and get advice from Dr. Mack. And like I said, he is the he's the team physician, the head orthopedic team physician for the Utah Jazz. This is uh, this is as high up as it gets, and as good as knowledge as you'll get. So, if you've had an issue. Maybe you were out on a hike, you strained a hamstring, you've had something that's nagging you in your knee or in your elbow. Uh, Maybe you've had a tendon pop or you felt something break. Maybe you've got a kid that was outside on the tramp and has hurt their shoulder and you just don't know where to start. And maybe you're a little bit worried of taking them in to be seen with the COVID situation that we're currently in. Well, that's what Doc talks about. We want to give you some ideas and some angles and, and maybe some jumping off points to get started on recovery. 855-340-9663 is the number to call. I'll give that to you one more time. It's 855-340-9663 shoot us a call. The phone lines are wide open. We'll jump out to the first callers. We'll get out to some of those questions, but we just want to get the listeners back to good health. And this is really, you know, I take my time. Austin takes his time. And then these great physicians take their time for the over the next hour to try to give you some help. That's 855-340-9663. And I've been meaning to ask this of you for a long time, Dr. Mack. Are you still a New York Giants fan?
3: You know I am when it comes to the NFL. I'm, it's tried and true hands. I'm not going to lie. I, I took care of those guys, as you know, when I was out there. And, yeah. And they've had some rough years since I've I've left. I don't take any responsibility for that, of course. But the uh, you know I have a lot lots of friends still back there, and obviously their their assistant their head trainer, assistant trainer, close friends of mine. So um, as well as their team position. So yes, I sure am.
2: I think that when you left, I think you took a piece of luck with you
3: it's possible i don't know i'm i'm still hoping they get back at it
2: yeah. uh it's it, i think it might be a time a little- a little time to recover, but I do like what they're starting to do and what they're putting together out there and I can't imagine what the NFL's going through to try to get themselves in a situation that they can come back and, and do it safely. I gotta imagine, Dr. Mack, that's gonna be one of the more incredible storylines is watching universities and watching professional organizations trying to, you know, get themselves to a point that they can come back. How difficult's that gonna be for some of these teams?
3: You know, it's a really good question, and as you might expect, we've had a lot of conversations both with the NBA, the, uh, Olympic, all the Olympic athletes, same boat uh, the nfl and you know the the major league soccer and a- major league baseball nhl everybody at this point is uh is really trying to get back and understand how to do it in a safe fashion and obviously ultimately it's for the athletes it's for the fans it's for everyone and we all need sports i mean i i can't say that i, I would say you know a piece of my heart's gone right now oh, not having yeah. sports and to watch to watch and take part in but at the same time you obviously are you know people's health are the most important so some of those, some of those conversations have happened i know I, I won't be specific as 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 which are which I'm talking about but um obviously there it's testing is going to be a big part of this and I I would highlight Utah as a a a leader in this area where we're we're doing testing in a a large-scale fashion uh Harvard just did a huge study looking at which states are being appropriately uh testing their their people in the state to allow them to open safely in the minimal requirements there are only really seven to nine states that are doing it of Utah Utah's one and uh what it's going to be an important part to be able to bring athletes back bring brings fans back it's going to look different for sure um but uh, obviously we all want it and the leagues know that and you know at this point it's it's not even a money thing it's just a frank fact mm-hmm. that we all want sports and they know it so we're trying to do it safely
2: man I, I love it i love that you're as passionate about it as i am and and i you know I'm, I'm on the same page with you just do it responsibly and excited for it to eventually get back we've got uh, bank phone lines are you ready to jump out to some calls dr mac
3: Absolutely. Let's do it.
2: All right, let's do it. We'll start out with Jim. Jim, you're up first with Dr. Mack. Go ahead.
1: Hey, Jim, I just got a quick question for you. Um, So in high school, I played a lot of sports. I've ended up having four ACL surgeries on my left knee and some other stuff, and then I've had one scope since then. And then about eight years ago, I did an osteotomy, and my knee's feeling pretty good. I'm just wondering... Uh the doctor that I've been working with says I really can't do anything athletically. I can't run or anything like that, just pretty much biking and swimming. I'm just wondering if you have a different opinion on that and how hard I can go in athletics and if I can kind of start getting into some more jogging and some running.
3: Sure. So, Jim, out of curiosity, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? I am 30. Excellent. So I'd say you've had five too many surgeries, but I support your, your dedication to sports. And ultimately it sounds like you've had some fantastic surgery done on you, given how well your knee feels right now. I think the, the adv- advice you've given from your own physician obviously is is going to trump anything I say because he has seen your right. knee. he's operated on your knee and and so I defer to him but I would say in general uh, with patients I do a number of osteotomies is obviously ACLs as well and it's a big part of my practice and what I can tell you is when I counsel my own patients uh, it's basically pretty simple I think the body's smarter than any physician on the planet and as far as I know it's been around a lot longer too and so it, it will tell you whether you're doing something wrong and I, I tell the same thing to my wife and she usually tells me i don't know what i'm talking about which usually she's right but at the end of the day uh if your if your knee is not swollen and it doesn't hurt uh, then you're probably okay so what I would say is if you get out there and you want to try go for a jog, that's not unreasonable. If you want to pay, play pickup basketball with your kids, if you have some, or your friends, that's fine. Uh, but pay attention to your knee and listen to it. So if it's not hurting while you're playing and it's not hurt after you're playing and you're not swelling, then you're okay. Uh, osteotomies, the goal of that is to prevent cartilage damage, and it's effectively, effectively robbing Peter to pay Paul, in a sense, where you're taking pressure off of an area of your knee that's not so healthy and putting it into an area of your knee that is. And as long as that area of the knee is holding up okay and your knee's not swelling, then you're not doing really any significant damage and you're probably okay. But your knee's going to talk to you and you should listen to it. So if it's not swelling and hurting, I think you're all right to do whatever it is you're doing.
2: Dr. Matt, can you explain an osteotomy?
3: Sure. So there are two kinds of osteotomies about the knee. Uh, The most common one, and I suspect it's the one that Jim probably has had, is something called a high tibial osteotomy. What that is, is effectively a cut in the And it's, it's basically the same as what we're doing when you break a twig, but you don't snap it in half. So you bend it and it allows us to change the pressure in your knee. So you can take pressure from the inside of your knee and put it on the outside of your knee Hmm. by changing the alignment or, or with the way you put pressure through your knee by frankly bending the knee. And so what we can do that both on the femur and the tibia, which is the thigh bone and the shin bone around the knee to change pressure in the knee itself.
4: Hmm. All righty. Well, thank you, sir. I
2: appreciate it. Jim, thanks for the call. That's the exactly mo- what it's for. Go thanks, ahead, Jim. Doc. Go ahead, Doc.
3: Nope. I was just going to say the most important thing, honestly, here, Jim, is to pay attention to your body. And that re- If you're feeling instability or you're feeling mechanical locking or catching, then don't keep pushing it and go talk to your surgeon uh, or your physician. But I think right now you're all right.
2: Jim, thanks for the call. That opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663 to jump on with Dr. Travis Mack. Jump back out to the phone lines and go to Brian. You're up next. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, so I've got um, a, what I think is tennis
4: elbow. Wondering what an at-home treatment might be. I do a lot of repetitive action with my right arm, my elbow. It feels to me like a tendon that's above the main elbow bone. Um you know, opposite the funny bone, on top. If I put my finger on it, it's tender, and at the end of the day, it can be it can be pretty pretty sore. And even when I'm not using it, laying in bed, if it's in a certain position, it it'll hurt just laying there, not even using it.
3: So, your question is, how can you treat it at home?
4: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, I don't I don't know that it's at the point where it needs surgery or maybe you tell me that it does
3: sure so generally speaking let let me ask you a few questions just to make sure we're actually talking about tennis elbow Um, how long has this been going on
4: oh it's the last couple years but i've been doing the same type of work for i mean 15 plus years and it's only started to kind of fill it out and during the winter i don't do the same work so it gets kind of a break there and i'm 40.
3: so what kind of work what kind of work do you do uh
4: it's landscaping um like spring lawns and stuff so my arms just got the same motion left and right
3: back and forth um a lot gotcha gotcha and have you and done gripping. anything to try to get like okay uh, how about Aleve, ibuprofen, things like that? Have you given that a shot?
4: Um, yeah, I just don't like want to take stuff. If, uh, it's just a band aid. Like I'd rather it just hurt than ingesting a bunch of pills, you know? Because it's not debilitating, uh, you know. I keep I keep working every day, and like, I'm not dying. But if you know, if I have to take eight ibuprofen a day to make it feel better, I'm probably just not going to take it.
3: Sure. So a few things, the way you describe it, it does sound like tennis elbow um, or lateral epicondylitis, which is the fancy doctor term. I prefer tennis elbow personally, uh, and <laughs> generally, you know, it can happen with, with any sort of type activities. I mean, obviously it happens in tennis, hence the term, uh, but it can happen sure. during any repetitive activities. Um, and I, you know, if you have tenderness on the outside of your elbow, on sort of that bone that protrudes the elbow bone, as you put it, um, it's sort of the end of the humerus, the end of your arm bone, really. And there is a tendon um, that goes to a, a sort of a bulk of muscles that that moves your arm your forearm particularly and the answer as far as home exercises is very simple the answer is yes and and frankly it's an ex- okay. what we call eccentric strengthening program what that means if you remember back into your your younger days I'm not sure how old you are but I'll, I'll use myself as an example when I was in high school and in college I did a lot of lifting not so much anymore and we did this thing called negatives where you basically hold a weight and let the weight push you as you resist it and what that is uh is an eccentric load so in other words you're fighting fighting a resistance as it pulls you so what you can okay. do is take a weight of some sort you can even take you know a, a gallon of water loop a ro- rope through it and wrap that rope around a tube like a pe- a dowel or something of that nature sure. and then roll the rope up up on the dowel and let let the gallon of water drop yourself drop that that dowel down as it unwinds the rope and if you resist it with your forearm and your hand that's one of the best exercises you can do to treat lateral epicondylitis hmm. actually and there are very good studies that suggest that has equivalent outcomes to surgery and injections wow. so what i would tell you yeah. in this unique time we have i would suggest you just go ahead go to home. be careful obviously if you have a dowel around your house about an inch in diameter or an inch and a half in diameter sure. not a small one but a bigger one um, wrap a rope around it and throw it to uh, what gallon jug of milk underneath it wrap wrap that up and roll it down and do that a few times a day it's going to help you
4: huh. all right and so i'm picturing like a reverse curl
3: exactly well or not, not using so much my your forearm or? really but your wrist your wrist actually so that oh the okay condylitis it's it's yeah it's not your your upper arm muscles it's actually your forearm muscles that causes the problem so you're ro- okay. rolling it with your wrist you're not moving your uh, arm you're moving your wrist Does with
2: that make sense? with your palms facing the ground
3: correct okay correct
2: ah uh, okay i got you
4: now i needed a i needed a mental picture i got it okay
3: all right well great and you can also if if that's so what what, one other thing i'd tell you if if that's confusing Mm -hmm. or say hey you know i'm not really sure i want to do this i will tell you both at the university of utah and other places physical therapists are doing virtual visits so they would i would encourage Uh you to reach out you don't you don't need a doctor's note you can call in say hey i'd like to make an appointment for physical therapy or occupational therapy and they can actually walk you through this over your phone with virtual exercises that you can do at home and i'd really encourage you to do that you make sure you're doing it right
2: ah very cool okay that's great great advice i appreciate it hey thanks brian that's exactly how it's done and and dr mack i i love that um you know there are some good things i think that are going to come out of this whole COVID experience and one thing that i think a, a lot of us are seeing as a positive are some of these virtual meetings that we can have with physicians No,
3: I agree. I agree. It's been a a very unique thing. And I've used telehealth uh, in my own practice to try to take care of my patients. And I will tell you, it's something I'm going to maintain as part of my practice. Obviously, I prefer inpatient visits. I like people. It's why I went into medicine. But for folks that have to travel long distances, it's been very helpful to them. And and I will tell you, I have a number of patients say, hey, doc, uh, I'd love to follow up with you this way, because, frankly, it's just, frankly, easier and more convenient for me. So and physical therapy is the same thing. I mean, there's no substitute for coming into a physical therapy gym having hands-on approach, but for, especially in this time, having, having a close relationship and having more visits, even if it's virtual, better than nothing.
2: Yeah, that's spectacular. And I also want to remind people that if someone has an acute orthopedic injury We've got the ortho injury clinic that's still available to you because of the COVID situation. We'd like you to call before arriving, but still that clinic is open to all meetings and and you don't need an appointment. We just would like to to have you call before you arrive. You call 801-997-9955. Those hours are Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the corner of Wacaraway and Foothill Drive. And you can be seen by the great physicians at the University of Utah Health and obviously the virtual meetings that Dr. Mack is talking about as well. All right, let's jump back out to the phone lines and go to Julie. You're up next with Dr. Mack. Go ahead, Julie.
4: Hey,
0: thanks for taking my call. Um, I actually have a question about my 11-year-old son. Um, He is an avid football player, swimmer, basketball player, wants to do all the things, and the uh, last year during football tryouts he had some uh, major groin pain and we thought he had pulled you know strained a muscle or pulled a muscle and when it didn't get better after a month or two we took him in and, and they actually diagnosed him with something called Vanek-Odelberg disease Um, I'm not sure if this is in your realm of things that you've kind of researched or studied but it's been we've been going on about eight months and it still really bothers him and um, the doctor that we saw said there's not much you can do for it other than rest, which is obviously killing him. So just curious if you have any insight into that.
3: Vanek Olderberg disease. I, admittedly, that that is a new one. And I have to tell you, I, I see... I see pediatric patients particularly for their hips um, and that that is a new one I, I see folks at P, uh, primary children's under the University of Utah banner obviously and and I, I will tell you I do a lot of hip hip evaluations and I'm not exactly sure what that is I'm happy to look into it but what okay. I will let's uh, rather than letting rather than jumping into that diagnosis let me ask you a few questions about your son just to make yep. sure we're going down yep. the right path um, so he's 11, 11 years old and he was having groin uh-huh. pain as in in the in, in the groin area right not growing in his, pain, but yeah groin pain. Yep,
0: yeah, groin pain.
3: Okay. Um, it it kind of
0: presented like he had just strained um, a muscle. That's kind of how we treated it, but we would rest it, and then he'd go back in, and as soon as he'd start doing anything, he'd feel that pain again. Um, so we took him in, and the doctor said, I actually see something on the X-ray that looks like it could be a, a previous break, but I'm I'm not sure. So when he sent the X-ray out to the radiologist, the radiologist said, let's get him in for an MRI, I can see something growing on, on his bone. So we didn't know. I mean, we thought maybe it was a tumor or who knows. So they said it's actually sure. part of, it's like a bone, kind of a bone spur that occurs um, from like the joints rubbing right there. And it's supposed to heal with um, actually when they start going through puberty. But like I said, we're on... We're on about nine months now, and he seems to do fine until he really pushes himself, and then it's right back to square one on the pain.
3: So let me ask you a quick question. If he sits for a long period of time, does his hip hurt? The groin? Um,
0: not, that he's, not that he's ever complained about.
3: Okay. And if he climbs stairs or is active, does it make his pain worse? Yes. Okay, is his pain primarily when, he's, when he lifts his leg?
0: Yes, any sort of movement with the leg.
3: Okay. So what I will tell you, and again, I, I say this without looking at x-rays or MRI, but I will tell mm-hmm. you in a, in a kid, his age, a very common thing that can happen is what we call an avulsion fracture. So what that is, is a, an area where the tendon attaches to the bone and in kiddos that still have open growth plates of which your son would at the age of 11, uh-huh. the growth plates are called apophyses so basically that's a fancy word for the it's a growth plate that acts like glue that connects the tendon to the bone it's not a growth plate that allows the bones to grow longer it's basically a growth plate that holds the tendons to the bone as the body grows now when we're older those growth plates just become bone and then you have a direct attachment from tendon to bone but in your son the tendon is attaching through this glue type growth plate and in kiddos who are highly active and i would i would first congratulate you on having a multi-sport athlete son yeah that's, a very that's healthy, awesome healthy way of healthy way of doing it rather than a single sport athlete yeah. which we have and i support that as well but congratulations <laughs> on doing that with your son it's a safe way of performing sports but in this a high yeah. level activity athlete like your son um the i the you can get this pulling of the growth plate and it pulls off a little bit and they will call it a fracture now it's not the kind of fracture that breaks the bone it's a growth plate fracture and it doesn't affect your son's growth but it can become mm-hmm. very painful and the treatment typically is rest and letting it heal. But an individual who doesn't shut it down completely, and by shut it down, I mean no running or jumping for about six to eight weeks. Wow. If he sort of rests until he becomes okay. less painful, and then he goes back and then plays, and then rests until it becomes not painful, then he goes back and plays. Then he's constantly pulling on that gluing growth plate, and it can become yeah. painful, and then it gets better, and then it. Go- so what I would encourage you to try to do is number one, it, it'd be worth going in to see a pediatric orthopedic. Surgeon. We have a lot of primary childrens. Uh, I'm more than happy to see him, as well as my colleagues or other folks in the community. So make sure you, okay. the diagnosis is accurate. Um, but I, it okay. sounds like an avulsion fracture, um, and is if that's yeah. in fact what it is. Um, then the treatment is basically no running or jumping for about six to eight weeks. At that point, that growth plate's going to be healed perfectly. He can get back at it. He okay. can come back. If he comes back, when he starts to feel it, usually you shut it down for a week or two and it goes away. It's the equivalent in the hip of what people are commonly known as Osgood Slaughter's disease in the knee and hands. I don't know if you've heard of people talk about that. It's oh, a very yeah. common thing in the knee and kiddos. Yeah. So this is a similar yeah. thing that happens in the hip. Okay. It's the same problem, okay. same solution. I, I I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I would encourage you to go get it checked out.
0: Okay. I mean, there's no better time than to make him not play anything right now because he's sitting at home a lot. So. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that I was going was, I was to say, Mom, is there any chance to keep him down for six weeks, that that, <laughs> that 11-year-old busy kid?
0: Yeah, you know, he will not be happy about it, but there's not much going on right now. So I think now, rather than football season, and he'll yes. be happy. So. Yes,
2: yeah, get it taken care of, Julie. And, uh, awesome! Thank you so much. And again, if you know if if it if it is a situation where you do need a little bit more evaluation, um, I would I would um, have you consider going into the injury clinic. And again, that's Monday through Friday, twelve p.m. to six p.m. Or and you can call before you get out there 801-997-9955. But just an opportunity for things to be seen a little bit further but thanks for the call Julie really appreciate it and it, and and Dr Mackett it, it seems you know it, it seems like that's it, it's not um, it's not a real heavy sentence if if that is in fact the case for her 11 year old
3: you're spot on, hands. It's it's basically something, well, he'll think it is because you've got to shut him down for six weeks, but you're right. I mean, it's a non-surgical problem. It'll heal. They heal perfectly, unlike in you and me where we get tendinitis and it's something we torture ourselves with for months. Kiddos heal so well. It's that growth plate that heals better than a tendinitis or a tendon irritation. Um, so as long as they can shut him down, he'll be fine. That's
2: great. That opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663, to jump on with Dr. Travis Mack. Go back out to the phone lines and go to Justin. You're up next with Dr. Mack. Go ahead, Justin.
1: Hi, Doc. Uh, My name's Justin. Um, The reason why I'm calling is because I have been diagnosed with plantar fasciitis, which usually affects the bottom of my feet, but before I started having the, the pain in my feet, I usually would have pain on the top of my feet, which is really not supposed to be, um, part of the plantar fasciitis. And it's kind of strange because it will just randomly be whenever I step onto that right foot, um, right. As as soon as like I do a small little rotation Hmm. on my torso to turn around. And I, I've never really been able to get any of the doctors to confirm that that's anything to do with plantar fasciitis or that they're really clear as
3: to why that keeps happening. Gotcha. So thanks for your call. I, I would say that's definitely not plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis, by definition, mm-hmm. is on the plantar surface or the bottom of your foot, as you've described. Uh, pain on the top mm-hmm. of your foot's a different story. Now they may be related in the setting that if you have severe plantar fasciitis and it's changing the way you're walking, uh, that can cha- that can create all sorts of different types of motions of the foot, ankle, and even upstream knee and hip. So motion of the of the entire leg is connected, of course. So I, I guess a couple mm-hmm. questions. Um, does it happen every time you walk, or is it co- kind of come and go? It's come and go, actually. it's I can never really predict when it's going to happen. Okay, and is it more down near the toes, or is it closer to the ankle?
1: Um, it's actually kind of is right in the middle of the two.
3: Okay. And if you increase your activity and the impact of it, for instance, instead of walking around, you try to jump or jog or run. Does it get worse or does it matter?
1: Uh, you know, I wouldn't think that it does matter. But when I'm sitting there like uh, just shooting a little bit of hoops with my six-year-old or something, then like I sidestep and it happens a little bit more frequently. Okay. But, and, but that's very one-off. Occasions. I just know that the frequency has been increasing
3: as of late. Is it on the inside, like near your big toe of your foot, or is it on the outside, sort sort of along the pinky side of your your foot? Like,
1: like I said, it's literally like down the middle.
3: Wow. Dead center. Got it. Um, if yeah. you bring your toes up, like if you no don't curl them but lift them up, does it bother you? No, not really. Okay. How about if you grab your foot? Near the toes and pull your foot to your head, or to your knee. Does that bother you?
1: No, not really. Okay, so
3: what I would tell a lot of treatment with uh, plantar fasciitis and stuff. Gotcha. So I I think what I would tell you, honestly, at this point, based on that, uh, it it sounds like where you're describing your pain is the midfoot. So not surprisingly, middle of the foot or midfoot. And there are are a number of different bones that make up the foot that establish your arch. Now, if you have plantar fasciitis, that can change the mechanics of the arch because of the pain. And then the bones can move a little bit differently. You may have mild arthritis of your of your your tarsal bones, your midfoot. Um, it's hard to say without getting imaging, and that's what I would encourage you as a first step to do: to go in and get an X ray of your foot when you're standing on it.
2: Hey, Dr. And that M- will- Dr. Mac, does will the would the imaging show? Can you see arthritis or, or some type of wear like that that would give him an indication if it was arthritis in an imaging?
3: Yes, you can see it on x-ray if it's severe enough, and you can definitely see it on MRI. Mm -hmm. You can also see subtle ligament instability of the midfoot um, on an MRI, but the first step is 100% going to be an x-ray to see if there's something glaring and arthritis to your point hands you can absolutely see on imaging. Okay. Have you had any of that?
1: I've had an x-ray on my feet already, but that's where they were able to – indicate that I was starting to grow a bone
3: spur (laughs) on the bottom of the foot. So a bone spur is the first step. And that is what we use as an example of arthritis actually so bone Mm spurs the beginning of arthritis on x-ray so it may be you're developing some midfoot arthritis now there are a variety of ways of treating that so if this is something that's been going on for months to years i would encourage you to go see one of our foot and ankle surgeons or at least a foot and ankle surgeon to get that checked out and they can do a variety of things like diagnostic injections under ultrasound or x-ray to see if it temporarily takes your pain away or treats it permanently with a cortisone they can do a variety of different surgical and non-surgical options to treat that but I would say there are a lot of things, options that are out there for you um, to treat that. And I'd encourage you to get it checked out because you don't have to live with this.
1: All right. Thank you. That's I think cool. I will.
2: Hey, thanks for, the, thanks for the call, Justin. And, and really, I, I hope you're able to get that checked out and get that fixed. That sounds horrible. I, I've had the plantar fasciitis before, and that is extremely painful. You throw in sharp pain on top of the foot with that, and it's going to be tough to get out of bed.
3: They can be tough, definitely.
2: Ah, man, I, I hope he's able to get that taken care of. And, and is that true with all arthritis, Dr. Mac? that you can see it on imaging, uh, like in the hand or in the in the elbow or shoulder joint?
3: Yes, that's an interestingly, it's a common misconception that you need an MRI to see arthritis. But in reality, you actually see it typically better on x-ray because you can see the bone spurs, the calcification of the body that starts to grow those spurs. And that's your body's protective mechanism when arthritis begins. And people should know arthritis is just inflammation of a joint. And generally it results in cartilage damage and wear and tear throughout the joint. Um, And you can see it on x-ray. And honestly, it's it could be treated quite easily. So I I hope he does get that checked out because I, I don't think he needs to live with this.
2: That opens up a phone line, 855-340-9663, to jump on with Dr. Travis Mack. You're listening to Doc Talk on 97.5, 12 into the zone. And we've talked to you about a couple of different ways to be seen nowadays. You've got virtual meetings with physicians, and you've also got the injury clinic that we're so proud of. And, Dr. Mack, I know that this is a point of pride for you, too. You guys have done such a great job leaving this kind of open for the public to come in and be seen with any type of an acute orthopedic injury. That injury clinic goes Monday through Friday, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. at the corner of Wakara Way and Foothill Drive. And right now with the COVID situation, we'd love to have you call before arriving. You can call 801-997-9955. But they leave that big hour gap for you to walk in and be seen. And we know that not everybody can wait two or three months. Not everybody can not everybody can schedule their meetings. Sometimes you've got to get that injury in and have it seen, and you can do that with the clinic. We'll take a quick break and come back to your phone calls again, 855-340-9663. You're listening to Doc Talk with Dr. Travis Mack, brought to you by University of Utah Health.
1: You're listening to Doc Talk. Presented by University of Utah Health on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: I love this hour in radio. doc talk. brought to you by University of Utah Health. And you're listening to Dr. Travis Mack and taking phone calls and trying to give you ideas on what you're dealing with with your injury and how we can get you better and, and moving forward towards health. 855 340 9663 to jump on the phone line with Dr. Mack and we'll get back out to the phone calls. Corey, you are up next with Dr. Mack. Thanks for waiting through the break. How can we help you?
0: Yeah, so I am a runner and a biker and this last week, I I run about 25 miles a week, something like that, and uh, this last week I went on a four-hour mountain bike ride and ever since then, the like, right in between my toes, the ball of my foot just kills. I can hardly walk on it or run on it. Huh.
3: So how long has this been going on? Um, Just for a week now. When you were biking, were you trying to climb a lot of hills? We did a lot of climbing, yep. Were you up on your toes and the ball of your foot clipped in? Uh-huh. I was. Yep. Got it. So what you could have done, there are two things. One, it may just be a standard overload problem, meaning you are up on the ball of your foot in a fashion where you're, you're basically your toes are extended, meaning pointed up, and then your heel is off the ground. So all of your weight is in a small area of your foot as you're climbing, especially with hills. A lot of bikers, especially high-level bikers, which it sounds like you are, um, really come out and push hard, and you, all of your pressure is going down on a very small part of your foot, and frankly, it just starts to bruise the heads of your, your toes. And it's not like the ends of your toes, actually. It's sort of the what we call the metatarsal heads. And those are basically on the ball of your foot, if you will. So you can get mm-hmm. bone bruising along that area. So that's one possibility. Another possibility is something called the Morton's Neuroba. And what that is, is an irritation of a nerve that goes between your toes. And it's usually between the second and third toe, But it, um, and it can become, become quite sensitive. So anytime you put pressure on it, it's very painful. And you can even get kind of a sharp electric type shooting pain so if it feels more like a bruise when you're walking on it it's probably because you have some bruising to the metatarsal heads just from frankly the pressure you're placing when you're coming up and out of the saddle and pushing hard that's a simple fix which is take it easy and don't jog on your toes let that discomfort go away and if you're gonna bike put more of the pressure on the heel or midfoot rather than on the ball of your foot and that's what I would do right now even if it's a Morton neuroma honestly a lot of those can be treated without anything else surgical done they're very it's very rare you need anything surgical to treat that Um, what I would do right now to be honest is give it a rest for the next week or two a leave ibuprofen and Advil can be your best friend in terms of treating some of the inflammation associated with that pressure you placed on your foot and I'm not talking to use it as a pain reliever but rather as an anti-inflammatory it can actually accelerate the improvement so I would do that the best thing that I do over the counter, honestly, is buy a bottle of Aleve. I'm cheap though, so I buy the generic version. It's called naproxen. You can go to the, okay. the store, find Aleve, and buy the one next to it. It's called naproxen. <laughs> it'll, it'll tell you on the, on the bottle, uh, like Aleve. And then you buy that one. It says, take one every 12 hours. And as long as you don't have any allergies to anti-inflammatories, you don't have any ulcers, stomach problems, anything like that, then you can take two. It'll say on the bottle, take one every 12 hours. You can take two. And that just turns it into a prescription strength. Uh, Take it with food, uh, two for breakfast, two for dinner. Do that every day for the first week. See how you're feeling. If it's still bothering you, you can do that for up to two weeks, provided you're not having any discomfort in your stomach, any, any problems with stools or ulcers. If that's the case, that's what I do. After two weeks, stop completely, okay? And then get off it entirely and see how you're doing. Remember, though, it will make you feel better. So while you're taking it, don't hop back on your bike and start getting after it because at that point, you'll be masking pain. The point here is to treat okay. it, not to mask it. Okay, uh, it, it can, okay. can what, that, would icing I it help as well? So ice works really well in the first 24 to 48 hours, actually. The point of ice is is a vasoconstrictor, which is a fancy way of saying it stops some of the blood supply to the area and can minimize swelling. After about 48 Mm -hmm. hours, which you're well past that, actually, ice will make it feel better just because it kind of numbs it. But it's not going to change much in terms of the actual trajectory of you getting better.
2: Mm. Can that more more neuroma? Did you say, Corey, that it was between the big toe and the second toe?
0: Well yeah, but it's back farther from from the the big toe. It's back kind of where I don't know, like an inch behind behind the big and little toe, yeah.
3: Is it on the ball of your foot? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, the most the most likely scenario, honestly, Corey, given your the level of activity you did, is you just basically have metatarsal head bruising, okay. and, and that's not a big. deal. Okay. I mean, it's don't get me wrong, it's really sore. Okay, it takes a lot of pressure to bruise a bone, but that's the most oh, likely yeah, scenario here. Um, <laughs> if you're not better though, you know, if you do what I've told you, and you know, two three weeks, you've rested it, you've taken it easy. Again, you can bike, but don't come up on the balls of your foot. And and three four weeks mm-hmm. go by. If it's not better at that point, I would encourage you to go get it checked out and Hans has talked about the orthopedic injury clinic that's a great opportunity our foot and ankle doctors as well as our non-surgical sports providers are fantastic to get this checked out so give it a rest for a while but if it's not better definitely come on in and we'll check it out all right great thank you i appreciate it
2: good luck to you Corey, and good luck getting off that foot for a bit man 25 miles a week i'm right now i'm averaging about 25 miles per decade and (laughs) <laughs> if i if I, did he say twenty five miles per week yeah yeah, that's exactly what he said
3: Jeez, you know, man. I have patients coming in and telling me that, and I look at them and they're like, "Oh, I, you know, I ran. I'm a marathon runner. I, I, you know, I take it easy though. I'm running about ten miles a day. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever run ten miles ever in one sitting, unless it's you know, get chased by something. Oh, but man. holy
2: cow! And then these people wonder why they're 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 hurting. It's like, well, you're hurting because you're considered an extreme athlete. You yeah. you mountain biked for four hours straight up the side of a mountain, and you've you've pounded on that foot. So take it easy. For a bit. Um, great suggestions, Dr. Mack. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll come back. See if we can sneak one more phone call in. You're listening to Doc Talk brought to you by University of Utah Health, Dr. Travis Mack on with us today. We'll come right back.
1: listening to doc talk presented by University of Utah Health on 975 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network
2: if you're one of the five people in the state of Utah that actually likes Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> okay. stay tuned for uh, the movie zone coming up next with Austin Horton and uh, and Johnny Lightfoot
1: yeah, and in fact, our poll question is: What do you love or dislike about Star Wars? Hands, so
2: you could have answered this week. Okay, well, I dislike all of it, and like none of it. <laughs> fairly easy <laughs> for, for a fool. Doctor Mac, do you are you a Star Wars guy? You know, I I enjoy
3: watching them, but I'm by no means a. Uh avid star wars person i I admittedly i I kind of had a number of of laughs over some of the the craze around it uh, to be totally honest but i'm one of those people that waits till all the craze dies down and then goes and watches it
2: Uh, so you're not the one that kind of nuzzles in there elbow to elbow on opening night having sat in line through a tent for two days and trying to get in there early
3: you know, hands. I'm I'm really cheap, so I usually catch it in video after the fact. That's the truth.
2: <laughs> wow, you wait for it to come out on video. That... Yeah,
3: I'm not I'm not an avid
2: fan. No, but you know what? I honestly, I I am one thing. I I am aware that uh, that that is a large contingency of fans and I don't want to upset everybody so and I do know Austin and Johnny nobody's better to break it all down and so the movie's zone going to be breaking that down next but Dr. Mack wanted to thank you so much for, for joining us and, and one more time real quick I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on some of the changes that we might see from this COVID situation and, and some of the things that you guys have gone through as orthopedic surgeons and how this might Change how you run your business and how other surgeons run their business?
3: Sure. I, I think the biggest thing that has changed is an awareness of being thoughtful about when you have flu like symptoms. I, I know that. I, I admittedly have been a little bit uh, brazen about that in the past, and yeah, oh, i got a sniffle, I, I'll go to work, it's fine, I'm gonna be tough. Uh, I, I don't think that's how I'm gonna approach it anymore, frankly, because it exposes other people. So I, I think the the population in general, at least myself, and I can't speak for everyone, has become a little more aware of, hey, you know, if I, if I have a flu or I feel kind of under the weather, I'm gonna stay home, I'm not gonna go to work today because I don't wanna pass something along. So I think that's the first thing it's done. I, I also think as it pertains to sort of normal life, not even just necessarily sports, but normal life, it is going to change how we all interact in public. I, I, I'm interested to see how big gatherings happen. I know that we're working with the NBA and uh, like I said, a number of other professional groups to how we can safely get people back into doing things they want. And I, I think it's going to be slow. It's going to be a process. Of course vaccines may change everything if in fact a vaccine comes out and knocks this out entirely. I'm hopeful that that will happen. But until that time I, I really do think that we all need to be careful. We we At the university obviously we're being very careful especially at the orthopedic center we you get phone calls beforehand we ask you hey do you have any sore throats sneezing coughing fevers anything like that if so we're doing a telemedicine visit because we don't want to expose our patients to anything like that if you don't then you come in we do temperature checks with infrared thermometers on the forehead to make sure you don't have a fever if you do at that point we're going to have you go get tested so it's really a matter of just safety precautions and i think that's going to you're going to see that more commonly i think you're going to start to see infrared temperature scanners in a lot of places uh, and not not as a, a bad thing but rather just to protect everybody and mm-hmm. say hey you got a temperature why don't you go get checked out and interestingly statistically speaking the odds are you don't have COVID. so in the early eight phases of testing when we were testing only symptomatic individuals at the university uh, our studies uh, in the first you know 2 3000 patients that had symptoms now these are not asymptomatic folks these are people that said hey i got a cough i got a fever i think i might have covid we went and tested them there were 4% of them had covid okay so that mm-hmm. means 96% of people out there with fevers coughs etc you got a cold you got a you got a flu you got something else going around so it's not a reason to get super excited about it but it is something to be cautious about and i think just keeping a nice awareness of that's what what's going to change
2: all great information dr mac thank you for your time uh thank you for your knowledge thank you for your service to our community and uh can't wait until you're back to action on the sideline with the utah jazz
3: you and me, both hands. They're a wonderful organization. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, you bet. We'll get you back on Doc Talk soon. That is Dr. Travis Mack with University of Utah Health. And I'll tell you, you won't find a better man. You won't find a better group of professionals than you will at University of Utah Health. Join us back here for Doc Talk coming up in, I believe, two weeks. And uh, stay tuned right here for Austin Horton and Johnny Lightfoot on the Movie Zone next.